this is Ali Amagasu coming to you with the very last episode that is recorded at KubeCon 2019. It has been a very exciting week so far. We've talked to some incredible people about all kinds of different technological issues, both within Kubernetes and without. And security has definitely been a theme. And uh, to that end, we're going to continue the theme. I've got a couple gentlemen in here today from a company called Sneak. I don't know if you've heard of Sneak, S-N-Y-K. I had not prior to this event, but we're about to learn a lot about it. So today I'd like to welcome Guy Pajarni, founder and president. Welcome, Guy. Oh, thanks for having me up. Sure. And Gareth Rushgrove, director of product. Yeah. Welcome, Gareth. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining. So first off, when we were talking before the show, Gareth, you, uh, you explained that you guys are... The fact that I don't know about Sneak does not mean that you guys are new. It also, it sounds like you've been involved in the community for a while, so... What's uh, tell me about that, and tell me about your impression of this KubeCon so far. Yeah, I, I, there's two sides to that actually, and so I've been an early active participant in the Kubernetes community from pretty much the start. So I was at probably the second KubeCon. I was saying there's maybe a few hundred people, and there's a few more here today. A few more, uh, just a few. Um, so I've been around this community for quite a long time. Uh, Sneak's actually more from the application and security like developer space. Uh, so really, we're starting to come into the, I guess, cloud-native infrastructure space. And I've been there for, before and joined Sneak recently. So it's nice coming together of a bunch of things. What are some of the more interesting themes or announcements that you saw emerging this week? We were just talking about this as well. I think I'm, there's definitely like just that increasing interest in all things service mesh. And partly related, like all things sort of multi-cloud. Um, a lot of the announcements were related to managing sort of multiple Kubernetes clusters across multiple estates. I, I think most organizations now who are getting to sort of not mature usage of Kubernetes, but have certainly said, yep, this is the direction we're going and we're starting to scale it. They're all managing multiple clusters. That's the default approach. And I think there's more and more software to help that. Um, so I think that's definitely a theme. I think it's uh, it's interesting, Gareth and I have also both been involved at uh, Velocity, which is another sort of conference uh, that sort of, you know, early DevOps uh, kind of motions on it. And I think, you know, you see some of what happened there as well, which is there's a very broad range today of uh, complexity or sort of depth. You know, there's a lot of newbies, you know, a lot of people that are coming along say, you know, what's this Kubernetes thing, right? And, and how do I use it and how do I even get started? And then there's the companies that sort of dig into, well, you know, I now have seven different Kubernetes instances and how do I, they're sort of at the next step of maturity in terms of understanding what is it that they need to do. And I think that's driving more of those conversations on, they've, they've experienced the problems and they're looking at whether it's multi-cloud or it's service mesh or it's, or it's just a um, kind of mature management of it or engaging developers building on those apps, which are oftentimes just a little bit more, they've experienced some of the pain and you know what the next problem to fix it. Awesome. Or sometimes it's actually, that's where they're starting. Because I mean, Kubernetes is much more of a short thing now than it was maybe a couple of years ago. Seattle last year, the numbers were 80% of people were new. They'd never been to KubeCon before. Wow, I um, didn't know that. This will be the same, similar. Like, on a magnitude 70, 80, I would bet. Like, and constantly reminding people who have been around the community for a while, like, most people are new. Most people don't have all the context for why you're trying to solve this in a very complex way. Yeah, and just because we've been up to our necks in it, and I say that even as a, 
as a, a marketing person who I'm, I'm not a technologist in any way, but it still seems to me like everyone should know what Kubernetes is by now. Yet when I'm at a Cisco Live, which is a big conference we put on every, you know, every year, a few times a year, if you say Kubernetes to a bunch of network admins, you just get a straight slap jaw, yep. nothing, no recognition, yep. no flicker of anything in the eyes. And I'm shocked. No one, like our booth here had been packed. Our booth at our own conference, people just walk by. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. multi-cloud, less. We like our echo chambers, right? You know, so yes. we, we get all that reinforcement, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, on any topic of life and including in, uh, including in technology. So I think it would be terrifying to come to this conference, honestly, without uh, the context of the years that had come before and just be facing all of the projects that now see, fall under cloud native, really, yeah. CNCF, and, and, and trying to figure out how you're supposed to stitch them all together and which ones are really meaningful and which ones are, are new and may not really pan out. A lot of the conversations we're having with people on the booth and the hall are, that's the, con the constant theme. And it's like, it's not just for us, it's everyone. It's like, how do you fit in? Like, people are already using some technologies, so there's a, they've got some point of reference. Um, and they're like, well, I'm using X, Y, and Z. How do you fit into that? Is that com I mean, yeah. like, hundreds of the conversations are centered around that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things we touched on earlier, um, I think you mentioned service mesh. It certainly has emerged as a hot topic for this particular KubeCon. And um, security, that's all I'm hearing about, service mesh security. I mean, obviously, they're, they're tied into one another at some point. Why do you think that's suddenly come up? I mean, what is it? What, what happened that made people suddenly go, huh, there might be some vulnerabilities here? Yeah. Well, I think uh, there, to an extent, it's, again, kind of a little bit the evolution. Before, there was like, well, how do I even put this thing together, and how does it run? And now you you know, you know, might sort of sober up a little bit to understand, okay, and what's the next realization? And uh, and very often, security is not at all in the picture. Like, oftentimes, the initial set of the initial exploration of Kubernetes is really like, you know, this sort of DevOps sort of ops audience is really the one kind of driving the charge. And then there's, there's, there's always some sort of group of developers that are, that are you know clamoring to 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 get going on it, but security is oftentimes not in the conversation to to probably you know everybody's fault, right? You know they might not you know embrace it as right, much. Right. Uh, We're just so excited about what containers sort of, uh, can do. Getting, uh, getting pulled in. We're so excited about what yeah. Kubernetes can do. We're going to think about that security Put business that later. So I think what's happening now is that people realize that you know when you when you transform development, right? You know when you think of a Kubernetes, you know it's really an enabler around the sort of modern software development and operations and. Uh, and in that process, you move fast, you know, and that's the whole premise. It's these self-sufficient app teams. Uh, and, and we just put more and more um, uh, kind of power at the end, at the, at in, within the application itself and at the hands of developers. Um, so if you take, you know, network configurations and maybe, you know, the database used to be outside and might, you know, now might be a part of your application, right? The network configuration and how everybody interacts and the permissions and all that around it might have previously been some ticket that you filed with sort of an infosec, uh, sort of a, an infosec or sort of a, an IT person. Now it's a part of your sort of configuration and your Helm chart. Uh, it, it's just like a whole series. And of course, the containers themselves, the operating system, it used to be managed by some sysadmin. And I say used to, oftentimes it's still present. Right, right. But in the pre-container, sort of pre-Kubernetes world, it's like that. And so, and so the realization is that, you know, all those, like that growth of the scope of the app and, you know, embeds with it the security risks that, that are in there. And you have to think first about, you know, just technically you need to address the security concerns around it. So very, very much oftentimes you talk to security and somewhat legitimately they'd say, well, I'm, I'm afraid of the pace that all this Kubernetes and, and containers is moving at because we're embracing it faster than the ecosystem necessarily is maturing it. 
And then the, the sort of the, so that's one aspect of it. And the other is this understanding that, you know, really as you transform development, as, it's, as it sort of runs faster, uh, it's continuous. It doesn't stop for anybody. And so really you're, you have three options. You know, one is you slow down development in order to audit, which, which is, nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to do, and, and and you can't really like you know like you'd get shut down. You know, as a, as a business, priority is speed. Two is you ship insecure software, which unfortunately is the reality in, in many of these cases. And three is you build uh, security tools into the development work uh, kind of a process, right? The development workflows uh, that is building on top of. Kubernetes. So. Right. I was going to say, even if you were a security person who, you know, you were saying they, they will admit I'm a little bit frightened of how fast things are moving with, with the containers. Yeah. Even if they're aware there's a need here, this isn't secure enough. How? I don't know that there's an established how yet for most of them to secure containers. I don't yeah. think there's a, there's not a clear, well-worn path, a well-traveled path, right? Yeah. And it's also not one thing, you know, like, you know, what they have is there's, they're securing the platform itself. So there's things about how do you actually deploy it. Kubernetes is a, is a pretty substantial piece of software, right? And it itself can be configured well or not, maintained well or not from a security perspective. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that part is, is, is growing. And then there's the notion of securing the workloads, securing the applications that are being built and how they interact. And you see growth there with identity, you see vulnerabilities, you see asset management, just knowing what, what is where, you know, and yeah. how is it running on it. Uh, and you need to tackle all of the above. It's a whole ecosystem. So it's Security is always a holistic problem. And it's not just the running application, it's how you built it. And that sort of process and pipeline and securing that, securing the development process as much as like just the final application. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are kind of, um, I think this has been a nice lead-in into what Sneak does. Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about Sneak Container, which I think you guys, you announced recently, right? Yeah, indeed, yeah. And, and let me kind of give a, t a tiny bit of context. So so, so Sneak is uh, is a developer tooling company that, that, that does security, or so that tackles security. Uh, and indeed, our premise is that the only the only way to, to be able to scale security in this sort of modern development world uh, and also, in general, kind of the right approach to it is to embed security into the development process. And so uh, we launched, we're sort of a 200 and a bit person company. We're about four years old. We're sort of you know, doing very well. And we built initially a product that was all around securing open source usage. Uh, so engaging with the development process to be able to integrate into you know, into GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLabs of the world, or the pipelines, or even deployed serverless applications and others to be able to understand which open source components you are using, where are they, and with a lot of emphasis on the fix of those. So we, when we find a vulnerability in one of your Git repositories, you're using A, uses B, uses C, C is vulnerable, we'll figure out how can you fix it, and we'll open a fix pull request to your repository uh, to, to really help the developer fix the problem because you know a developer's job isn't to find issues it's it's to fix them uh and so we built this whole dev-minded company and specifically sort of solution around open source security uh and what we've done sort of last week is we've launched a product around containers taking taking sort of a stance that containers you know into to a certain extent they're an evolution of the vm but to a more important extent, they're an evolution of the app. You used to ship some WAR file or some zip file with your outputs. Now you're shipping a container. It has the operating system. And so, you know, you take those. The Docker file sits in a repo. Patching a container requires running a build. These things are developer domain. Uh, and so that we need to, the solution, the right long-term solution for container security needs to, needs to focus on developers employing it. Uh, and that's sort of the offering uh, that we have here, along with a decent chunk of Kubernetes-specific uh, functionality. 
Do you yeah. want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think it's I'm similar to what we talked about on the application side. Of the, it's an end-to-end sort of pro, uh, like problem, uh, container security, and we're sort of taking the idea of, well, actually, give me the assets that are important in there, sort of build files, configuration files, the images themselves. Uh, give, us, give them to Sneak, and we'll give you vulnerability information back. But then we make it easy to plug that in where it makes sense in your workflow. And that might be in local tooling for developers. It might be in CI CD pipelines. It might be in source control. It might be into registries. It might be into Kubernetes. Because um, you've got this sort of balance, uh, again, back to that often challenge between security and, and speed. If you're integrating with developers, you're getting fast feedback. They can find things and fix them quickly. But maybe you're sacrificing some completeness because mm. maybe they work around the processes and tools they, you're using. But if you just put security in at the end, and that, that was always the classic approach of right. these people going to do what they want. At the end, we will stop them. The reality is great for completeness, but it's terrible for fast feedback and fixing things. And what you want really is going like, well, tell me the one place I can inject security into my process or pipeline that fixes things. And the reality is there is not one place. It's all trade-offs. And so maybe you start with one place. Registries are maybe a nice place to start because it's really simple. You probably have a small number of container registries. But they're actually not great for feedback and sometimes not good for completeness. But they're easy to integrate with. And suddenly you start going, well, actually, yeah, registries and thinking about the context of Kubernetes and thinking about the configuration there and thinking about all of the Kubernetes config files you're writing and thinking about the images you're building earlier. Um, we're basically just building the tool chain to make security something that spans the pipeline, not something that is just a simple gate. Yeah. I like to, uh, in the world of security, there's this sort of term of shift left, which is a really tricky term uh, because, yes, you want to shift left in the sense that you want to put security uh, testing and assessment earlier in the process, yeah. but developers have expanded to the right, you know, and like, you know, you sort of really today as a, as a developer, your responsibility is not just to the left of that process. It's the whole loop and, and getting insights from runtime and getting that process all started again. So we, we sort of see like you have to be plugged into different points because every one of them have, has its own strengths. So you bring up an important point as you've been talking about this. You know, I, I did look at your, um, your website, some of your information, developer-led approach to shifting security testing. Do developers want to lead this? I mean, it, we were talking about how on, in some other episodes about the fact that developers are suddenly by default being handed security responsibilities that they may not even be aware of, may not care about. Yet one way or another, when they make a decision to deploy a container or a container cluster, they are making security decisions for your company. Yeah. So how yeah. do developers feel about developer-led security? I think, uh, so there's you know a few ways to look at it. First of all, you know, with all the sort of cynicism aside, every single developer, you know, given the same level of effort, would prefer to build secure software than not secure software. So, like, fundamentally, it's not some anti, you know, movement, you know, that sort of explicitly doesn't do it. It's really about ease of use, right? It's right. About, Am I going to get a truckload more work? Is the exactly, you know, they and 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 you know, everybody, you know, developers take pride in their craft, and they would prefer to ship high quality software and sort of security as a part of it. Uh, the challenge has been really that security is really hard to. It doesn't have a natural feedback loop. So it's been, you know, first of all, sort of hard to assess whether you're doing security well or not. You know, it's, it's hard to like get concrete metrics, unlike running a unit test and sort of seeing that it passed. Uh, and second, and maybe even more important, is that it's just too hard. And 
I think, to, in my opinion, a lot of it is because security solutions are really audit tools, and then they're just sort of bolted on to these sort of development environments. And, and, and the solutions are not designed to make it easy for developers to consume them. They're not starting from the developer perspective. You know, I'm, I'm personally kind of guilty of this. I built a product called AppScan Developer Edition, sort of a static analysis engine. AppScan uh, originally was like the black box testing, then static analysis kind of white box uh, early on. And, you know, it was called Developer Edition, and it ran the audit in Eclipse, and it, you know, touched code. Clearly, it was a developer product, except it wasn't. You know, it was really an auditor product plugged into a development environment. And so, fundamentally, I think developers do do want to build secure software, but we, we as, a, as an industry, as, as vendors, as, you know, uh, uh, sometimes sort of DevOps or security teams within the organization, our job is to make it easy for them to do so. So that's, I think, the, the, the So you're not problem. dumping work on them, you're advocating. Exactly. You're really advocating yeah. for their position. A, a lot of it is actually helping organizations avoid, like, misaligned incentives. It's really, like, and we've, talk, we've seen the same sort of movement on the operations side. Um, because that was also, again, a classic. Developers are told to build things quickly. Operators are told to think it's stable. And they fought. Yeah. And we know that didn't work as well as the organization said, you know what, let's align these incentives. Let's say, actually, you build it, you run it. Was the, cla- was the classic AWS line. Yeah. And we're seeing the same thing with security. Like, if your job is to just build something quickly, you will sacrifice security because it's not aligned right. with ultimately what you're being told to do right um, your priority you've been given a priority in a suite incentivized purely for security yeah. there's always the tourism they're like well the most secure software is not is not running <laughs> like that's no good for the business align those things together and yeah that that does not mean to, like idea in an ideal world developers who have no security training or no security context or no security tooling and no security expertise suddenly ending up being the person who's in charge of security for your organization and the security people are gone out of the room. Security are the experts. But rather than just being like a gate at the end, they can be the experts. They can educate and teach and like help. And we sort of we see that with our customers. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think the ops analogy is basically the perfect one. Because mm-hmm. ten years ago you would have sort of sat here and you would have said the exact same words, you know, just swap the word security for for, for ops, right? Or sort of operate them. Sure. And I think all around from developers embracing it, which I think you know, the, like DevOps has kind of paved the path towards the sort of, you know, you build it, you know, you run it, and uh, and new security is a part of it, uh, all the way through the change to the ops side, so security teams and organizations need to switch to sort of more of that sort of SRE uh, enabler, you know, like a, a, a an entity that is there to help empower developers to sort of do the job right, uh, and, and kind of ending with the business, or maybe starting with the business side, because I think today there's an appreciation that being fast, you know, using uh, ops and, and DevOps have become a business enabler, right? Companies thrive and succeed because they do DevOps so well. And so, so doing security well implies speed, implies, you know, better trust from your customers, implies all those things. And I think basically this next, that's why DevSecOps with all the complexity of, of, uh, of uh, buzzwords and, and how they're never perfect is actually a fairly apt analogy because we basically need security to really embrace, you know, it's sort of last decade was DevOps, it's still very much underway. Uh, but then, you know, security is a decade behind and needs to catch up. Nice. Do you feel like your customer base or your potential customer base, I guess, the folks that you're presenting this to, do you feel like they get this? Do you feel like they're saying, yes, this resonates with me, this is what we want, or is it more, are you teaching them? 
I think it's a bit of both. You know, what 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 happens typically is that you know our enterprises are not one entity. So so typically there will be some slightly more forward thinking uh, group, right? Whether it's a dev team, whether it's a security team, whether it's sort of a platform team. Sometimes uh, it's a random line of business, right? It, this exactly. Is sometimes it's a BU. Sometimes it's an acquisition within yeah. a larger company. So uh, for us, typically, you know, since the, it is a forward thinking you know uh, approach, uh, typically our champion would be would be one of those entities. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, people buy Sneak because of the future, mm-hmm. but then we also support the past, you know, and, and, you know, sort of help them secure open source components that they're using all the way back to, you know, kind of much more sort of ancient, you know, first days of Java, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, because, you know, Maven is fairly old and, you know, like the, it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it really is, I guess what I oftentimes encourage people is like, you know, you need a solution that supports your needs today, but, you know, assuming you have, you know, sort of multiple solutions that support your needs today, you want to think about which solution helps you get to where you want to be tomorrow versus one that sort of holds you back you know, to, to where you were. And and we see there's a lot of like organizations are very receptive to it. Everybody yeah. wants to do those. Again, there's just not one one big wall. I, I'd say part of it is the sort of developers, the new Kingmaker hypothesis. The sort of the idea that actually and historically software was bought by the CEO, closed room, closed room, and then given to people to use. The influence of developers now is much greater. Um, so it's not necessarily the developers buying things, but their influence often well ahead of even knowing you need to buy something is huge. So for us, like we have a line, like 400,000 plus like free users mm-hmm. of Sneak who are just developers developing open source projects, like, and they, they, they just use Sneak. They're actually actively going out, searching for a security tool, finding one that they can use and using it. And in lots of cases, well, those people also work in the context of large organizations. And when their organization comes around to thinking about, oh, we need a security tool in this space, turns out their developers are already using one. Nice. Um, yeah. And that, that cycle, I think that sort of, A, developers going out and looking for security tools. Well, you don't think that would happen apart from, well, when they're, hey, so, inter- point. When they're so integrated into their development flow, Actually, one of the things developers love is feedback. And if it's integrated into the tools they're already using and easy to install and there's no barrier to entry there, they do want security tools. They go find them. I mean, we, we're a proof point of that. Yeah. And I think if there's, if there's, if there's anything, um, you know, that, that we sort of most succeeded in, right? You know, like we're doing super well business-wise, we're sort of on this hyper-growth path. But really, I think our true success is being able to build a security tool developers love and embrace it. And that was, that was the mission. And that required pretty much a company-wide view on the developer being the most important user of the product. And it also, to an extent, kind of goes off and dissuades any sort of cynical perspective of developers not embracing it because, you know, nobody's shoving it down their throats. They're, right. they're coming along. The product needs to, needs to sort of, you know, delight them and, you know, explain itself and, and use it. And that's sort of like this bottom-up path, you know, the sort of we're free for open source projects to use. And, you know, we have a freemium tier on one hand. You know, is, is like a good business, you know, and kind of brand awareness and drive it. But what it also is is a forcing function to sort of keep us true to to this developer experience because for that audience, there is no other way. Like if, if it's not a good product, if it's not a product they choose to use, yeah, they're just not going to use it. So, is there a particular industry where you guys are have gained a lot of traction where you feel like you go in there and you're like, we know what these guys need, or are you kind of just is it agnostic across all industries? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit tricky because of the developer approach. You know, it tends to be it tends to be very broad. Yeah. You know, it really tends to be cross industries, and that's because we're we're more sort of developer led. There, yeah. uh, we tend to be all over the board. Um, you know, clearly as it comes to sort of the the bigger spans and the mandates, when you get to something similar, like more sort of central, mm -hmm. then you know, the more sort of security minded industries uh, come up. Like, you know, they, they end up sort yeah. of dominating the charts a little bit, but we do sell all the way from, you know, from media to high tech to finance. Um, we do find, I feel, uh, in the world of Kubernetes and all that fintech and like Kubernetes security or sort of you know, container security and dev, fintech, healthcare, technology, companies that are modern on one hand but highly regulated on the other are oftentimes kind of early, broad adopters of it. I think some of it is less about necessarily individual industries, but the process that that organization is going through. Yeah. So people talk about digital transformation, like, where they're doing that, ultimately, they're making a conscious choice to look at how they build software. And I think that like those organizations at that scale are invariably thinking about security as a part of that conversation. And they're looking at, okay, like they, we're going to do things differently. They're going to look at the tooling. And I think we're a natural fit for those organizations. And yeah. again, that, that movement increasingly spans industries. So if I'm a corporation going through digital transformation, I want to learn about Sneak. Where can I learn about it? Uh, basically, Sneak.io. Uh, Sneak.io. There's a lot of good content on it, you know, and you can, if it's an enterprise use, you can book a demo and kind of get the full uh, path. And if you're a developer and you want to, you know, secure your open source projects or you just get started, then you just register for free and get going. Okay, so the free version is also at Sneak.io? Sneak.io. It's short for so now you know. Oh, very cute. Very clever. I like that. So now you know. I, as an aside, now that we're kind of, I think we're wrapping up here, I'll go ahead and mention that you said you do a podcast on the side. Let's, let, let's promote it here. What's it called? And what's it about? So I run a podcast called The Secure Developer. You know, it's, there we maybe go. it's not that surprising given the conversation here. Uh, and mostly I tend to host security leaders, CISOs, heads of AppSec, uh, security trainers sometimes, uh, and occasionally someone from the dev side. And it's all around this sort of modern approach to security. Uh, you, you, know, you sort of hear how you know, forward-thinking teams, you know, whether it's Eurelic or Slack or Segment or you know, various financial institutions, are engaging between security and development. How are they adapting their security practices to this sort of modern, fast-paced development world? Uh, so it's called The Secure Developer, and uh, it's available on all the typical sort of podcast channels. And we go every every kind of couple of weeks. There's an episode, and it's really it's all around giving a stage and and allowing um, kind of the type of knowledge sharing uh, that is I think quite lacking in the world of security, and has actually been one of the pillars of how DevOps kind of grew uh, grew in adoption. Nice, nice. You heard it here. The secure developer. Go check it out. I think that's why when I saw your name, Guy Pajarni, I was like. I recognize that name. I don't know why. I know I haven't met him, but now I know I know I know why I knew you. Yeah. So now you know. Anything else we should cover before we close up? No. no? Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining me today, guys. I know you're busy. It's a crazy week at KubeCon, but it's been a pleasure to get to know you and to hear what Sneak's all about. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah.